I have called up in all my years of sorcery no god or ominous and gibbous. And the thing was a streaming ooze of charnel the wormy corpses that he dug with his hands from unconsecrated graves. It is thoroughly known by few. There were people, but it's mostly priests and women, it is told, whom he picked up as they fled and pulled limb from limb as a child might quarter an insect. The Double Shadow. Clark Ashton Smith Podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Double Shadow, a podcast exploring the weird fiction of 20th century writer Clark Ashton Smith. I'm Tim. I'm Phil. And I'm Ruth. And this week, we'll be covering The Isle of the Torturers. Yeah, we will. Still in Zothique. Yep. It's only our second time, right? This is only the second story? Oh, the yeah. Third story. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. What's our problem? What's what's taking us so long? Tim? I don't know. Life. <laughs> I know. Life. life. It's absurd. Somebody here had a baby. Yeah, babies. That was Somebody a here ago. is scouting film locations for a movie. Might be the same person. Yeah, that's also happening. Yeah. Jobs. I get to take a ride in a helicopter, guys. I'm not going to be able to make the recording. Not you, me. Oh, yeah. I'm being Phil. I'm being <laughs> Phil. I, forgot, I, I, got to ride. I didn't get to ride in the helicopter. Oh. oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw it, but I didn't get to ride. Maybe I'll get to ride in it when we use it. Maybe. Someone will get to ride in that damn helicopter. <laughs> Before it crashes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, please don't crash in the helicopter. You could be like that indie film director who goes big. Oh, God, I'm narrating. Okay. All right. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry, so, Phil. yeah, this is episode 45. There's a question so. mark in our notes. <laughs> It is episode 45, but there's a question mark in our notes. <laughs> it said episode 44, and then I fixed it with a question mark. Oh, uh, okay. Right. Yeah. So what do we know about this story? Uh, well, Tim, let me tell you. This story first appeared in the March 1933 issue of Weird Tales. Uh, that's the same issue as Robert E. Howard's The Tower of the Elephant, a poem by M.C. Bodkin entitled A Witch Passes, and other stories. Once again, I wish that we had access to some of the other weird, like, I would love to read A Witch Passes. That sounds like an amazing poem. It does. Right? Do you think it's that she's died or that she's passed by? I, think, I, I don't know. I think passing, like passing over. Yeah, like passing in the street, flying over, dying. I got lots of ideas from this one. It would hmm. also be a good horror short, A Witch Passes. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, maybe she just didn't know the question. <laughs> <laughs> maybe she finished college. Right. <laughs> There's oh, so many interpretations. You guys with your jokes. Uh, <laughs> um. Well, Tim. Yeah. Let, let's read this story. Okay. Yeah. Uh. So it's the Isle of the Tortures. It's our second Zafik story, and we get a little bit more of a view of what Zafik might look like. Because in the first one, we just, it was deserts and cities and mummies. Right. But in this one, we've got oceans and more cities and a plague. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's definitely end of the world kind of stuff here. Like, this is, this is no simple plague. It wipes out two civilizations in the course of a story, even if they might be small ones. What kind of plague is it? A silver one. <laughs> the silver death, which is pretty it's... exciting. <laughs> Okay, 
So this is really terrible timing, of course, because, you know, Mad Max came out a few months ago. Uh Oh, right. So all I can think of is Shiny and Chrome. (laughs) (laughs) The silver dad, the Shiny and Chrome. Oh, man, it is. Between the sun's departure and return, the Silver Death had fallen upon Euros. Astrologers had said that this mysterious malady, heretofore unknown on Earth, would descend from the great star Akronar, which presided balefully over all the lands of the southern continent of Zothik. And having sealed the flesh of a myriad men with its bright, metallic pallor, the plague would still go onward in time and space, borne by the dim currents of ether to other worlds. Dire was the Silver Death, and none knew the secret of its contagion or the cure. Swift as the desert wind, it came into Yoros from the devastated realm of Tassawan, overtaking the very messengers who ran by night to give warning of its nearness. Those who were smitten felt an icy, freezing cold, an instant rigor, as if the outermost gulf had breathed upon them. Their faces and bodies whitened strangely, gleaming with a wan luster, and became stiff as long-dead corpses, all in an interim of minutes. In the streets of Silpon and Siloar, and in Faraad, the capital of Yoros, the plague passed like an eerie, glittering light from countenance to countenance under the golden lamps, and the victims fell where they were stricken. Whoa, 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 what? <laughs> Heck of a plague. Heck of a plague you've got yourselves there. It's a plague from the stars that yeah, turns you into seriously. silver statues? That's insane. I, I know. It's, it makes me think of a bit of the um, beast of... Which one? Which beast? The beast. Uh, beast of Averone? Yeah, oh, the beast star beast. Oh, okay. Oh, it is called, yeah. yeah, the beast right. of Averone. Makes me think a bit of the Beast of Averone because it's the thing that comes down from the stars and infects people on this world. And yeah. the one case, it infected the priest dude and or the bishop dude. And in this case, it's actually a disease which seem, spreads through the ether, which is yeah. hella creepy. Although uh, the whole sending messengers to warn of a plague thing is kind of yeah. seems dangerous to me. So it's, actually, I was wrong. It devastates three realms because we have a whole realm that gets devastated before it even gets here. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our Ashton Smith, I think, is probably pretty safe to say it was terrified of the cold. I feel like we've read <laughs> a number of stories where, you know, it's all about how awful frozen things are. Yeah, there was <laughs> a know? whole setting based on it. Yeah, well, yeah. He lived in California, mm-hmm. and oh, he yeah. was mm-hmm. sick quite a good bit, you know, so... Oh. It's also possible he was terrified of these sudden illnesses. We could one could probably do some sort of whole metaphorical study on how quickly these people turn to silver and stone and yeah. how his illnesses would suddenly just keep him in bed for days at a time. Not quite the same thing, but no, it, I do I'm wonder sure how much he wrote into that. Plays into somebody whose imagination is as vivid as Smith's. Mm-hmm. So we have our main character, who's a, he's a young king. He basically just gained the throne. His name is Fulbra, and this is the first thing he has to deal with, a plague that yeah. wipes out his people. <laughs> like I like how they describe him as a ruler without a people, because yeah. like, there they went. All it's dead. First day. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, but it's a, kind of a cool scene, because he, um, he like goes to the 
top of a tower and listens as silence just falls over her city. Yeah. And I love some of the um, descriptions of how like it passes through the carnivals and the carnivals just go quiet. And there's one point at the end where it says diggers died in the half completed graves they had dug for others. But no That's one came it. to dispute their possession. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, oh, so well, okay. Yeah, it makes you wonder how fast it was wiped out. It seems like a matter of a day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it seems very, very quick. Yeah, I mean, at the at the end of the story, it seems pretty, uh, pretty damn fast as well. Yeah. Yeah. Now um, we know it was foretold by astrologers, which means that somebody had warning. Right. Uh, he has Fulbra has a um, he's got a an astrologer and sorcerer that kind of raised him that. Mm-hmm drew his he saw his his future because the what is it there's like a prophecy that goes along with the plague yes that says you you're destined to die of it unless you're destined to die of something else <laughs> that's the only way to escape it and vemdes uh, the sort the old astrologer and sorcerer divined that fulbra was not meant to die of the plague so how did he avoid it he gives him this ring, this little, uh, I don't know what color it says it is, but he basically he gives him a ring it's that will kind keep of him alive. Red. Yeah, it's uh, red, yeah. the black gem, which I it's found a, interesting because I thought it would, it would be a silver ring. It yeah. Counteract right. it. No, right. it's, a, it's a strange red metal with a black and oblong gem, and it gave forth eternally a strong aromatic perfume. My first thought about the ring was, well, if you can just make a ring to avoid the plague, why isn't this guy making more rings? But then a little later, <laughs> yeah. the story the story covers that and is like, well, yep. you have to. It's like Fulbra Fulbar didn't Fulbra didn't ask what you know horrible price had to be paid yeah. to, to construct the ring. So, um, mm-hmm. although there is the odd matter that Fulbra's slaves survive, yep. which is they a little do. strange. It's like <laughs> I don't I don't quite understand oh. why. Maybe they're, I mean, it's protective magic. So once you start bringing magic into the equation, maybe it's his thing. And But then, yeah, why doesn't Vemdes die? Yeah, maybe he picks it, yeah. up his slaves elsewhere. Does oh, he Vemdes, bring them with him? Vemdes does die. Yeah, Vemdes that's what I was thinking. Die, yeah. So he oh, could have right. saved Vemdes otherwise. But yeah. I think he... it's it's probably because, what's his name? Fulbra. Fulbra needs slaves for the ship to get to the Isle of the Torturers. So you they're mean, destined to not is... die. Definitely a plot hole. Yeah, you like mean from a, three- from a from a from a like a Clark Ashton Smith thinking through the story perspective. Yeah, he needs the slaves. See, I totally would have bought it if he just got in like a tiny little like one person sailing. Yeah, ship. so so it, yeah. so would I. Yeah, yeah. And I think it might have been more effective then too because it would have been like one guy against the world. Yep. And here yeah. it's one guy and the three mysteriously remaining slaves. Yeah, <laughs> but those slaves, <laughs> you know, it was not written that they should die with the plague. Yeah. I guess not. And by that, it means Clark Ashton Smith did not write that they <laughs> should die. <laughs> Very literally. Um, so he, they get in a ship, and, and Fulbro is trying to make it to this place called Sim, Kimtron, Sin, Sintrom. Yeah. Which is some place he visited with his father, right? Yeah. It's like uh-huh. A, uh-huh. yeah. So do you think that Zothik is, is a, like a, a collection of islands? Like what, what is it? I don't know. It's supposed to be kind of a last continent. And so one of the things I was imagining was, so we've seen the desert part of it. Mm -hmm. What if you have this Pangea-like last continent and it's huge and it's world-spanning? 
but humans mostly only survive on the edges. Mm, like, yeah. what would that kind of mm. world look like? Because if you want to get anywhere safe, especially if you've got this huge continent, you're having to go out to sea and maybe travel around a couple of hostile kingdoms. And you've got some islands that have broken off the shore for sure. But maybe also that's the only places you can find any other civilizations now. Yeah. I, that makes sense. Yeah, and I do picture it as a big, one big world-spanning continent too. But there are obviously islands. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 Hence the name of our story. Yeah. Not <laughs> yeah. the peninsula of the torturers. <laughs> there are isles. <laughs> Uh, so on the way to Sintram, things don't go well. There's a big old storm. Yeah. Um, and he, in the course of the storm, he like sees this other ship, right? That he, yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. And they yeah, crash. Yeah, like a merchant galley. Yeah, yeah, with m many more people than just the three slaves that he has with him. Yeah. I thought. Wait, did it, did it have people on it? Let me. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it definitely. Oh yeah, you're there. right. Yeah. People drew near, thronging about the. Right, because they they meet an unfortunate fate not long, not long after. Um, Spoilers. Sorry, dudes. <laughs> I mean, who knows what happens to them? They probably Anything make it to could Disney happen. World. <laughs> yeah, its its oars were mostly broken, and it had a toppled mast, and that's right. why I thought yeah. for some reason this, it was uninhabited. But of course, it's not. This storm is crazy. It's mm -hmm. as soon as it starts, like it starts ripping the ships apart. But yeah, and then they crash. They crash on an island. But yeah. it's almost like if there was some kind of enchantment because yeah. the sea goes totally calm. Mm -hmm. And so they can creep out, and they they have various, you know, the, everybody's coming ashore. Uh, peeking out. So they're Seeing met by really see. friendly people, aren't they? Yeah, they're laughing, right? Laughter means good, nice people. Oh, yeah. Sure. Why not? Except, except when, when it's... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, except when they're yellow people, but... Oh, right. Uh, uh, that yep. maybe not an appropriate comment. The uh, they are yellow. I, they I, took, are. I took it to be like cran yellow, not like racial slur yellow. But me too. Yeah, I expect it's, it's probably the latter. Yeah, me too. Because uh, they do have slanty eyes. They do. They do. Uh, although the their king's face is described as like golden when he's described. So oh, right. Um, so who knows? Um, but anyway, yeah. Just a nicer way of saying yellow. But yeah, it's like they're. <laughs> Well, there's the whole idea of like oriental torture and such, right. and I'm pretty sure that's what he was getting into. Yeah, it's that's pretty clear in this story. <laughs> Clark Ashton Smith, though yeah. he did he did love the Orientals, like he wanted to go live there. When he remember those letters that he was yeah. like, uh -huh. contemplating leaving. So um, I don't know, maybe he's maybe he's into it. He's, I is think he's sour really grapes? into this torture thing. He's, he's oh yeah, definitely going definitely. on. He's so into it. I can't wait to talk about the tortures. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So these yellow devils come out, uh, and they're wearing uh, red turbans and black robes, and they speak in like a hissing language, and they come and he he introduces himself. Right. He says, "I'm mm -hmm. King Fulbra," yeah. and they kind of drop to their knees and smile and their smiles are like scimitars yeah and then uh, they it, lead them well no so he learns this i love this he learns from one of them they speak a different language but oh, they can yeah. speak his language like uh -huh. sort of poorly he learns he's on ukastrog which he knows to be known as the isle of the torturers right but fulbra is totally a glass half full guy and he's oh my like gosh, he he's is. like maybe all that stuff is just like lies spread by their competitors, and right. they're not actually—it's not actually an aisle full of torturers. 
And maybe if they take me to their king and I say I'm a king too, you know, things will be okay. Yeah, so, a king so, wouldn't ever hurt another king, would he? Yeah, why, why would he? So, but then as he's, as he's being led away, he looks back and sees the people on the other ship, the merchant uh-huh. ship, like trying to like, you know, fight tooth and nail to not be taken prisoner by the torturers. And he's like, well, probably things aren't going to go very <laughs> yeah. well. Yeah. And this is also when he's thinking about Ukastrog, he thinks about there's rumors that they're great magicians who can raise storms with right, their enchantments. Right. Yeah. yeah. So he meets the king. Is this our next reading yet? Or no, it's not. Not yet. Not no. Yet. Yeah. He meets King Ildrak. Um, and King Eldrak has this great throwaway. Like, there's a lot of humor in this story, even despite how grotesque <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. He takes Fulbur's sword away and says, I do not wish my guests to suffer injury by their own hands. Yep. Uh, which I took to mean, I guess now that I say it, it's like a suicide reference, but originally I took mm-hmm. it as like, a, oh, you're so fumbling with that thing, you might accidentally cut yourself. Right. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. His swords also- are often sharp. Yeah. 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 Uh, and when Fulbra tells him that he's on his way to Sintrom, Eldrak's like, oh, but we can't let you leave without sampling all of the pleasures we have to offer here, so you'll just stay, and then I'll take your weapons away so you don't hurt yourself. <laughs> um, so now... Oh, and there's one other thing before we get to our reading. As yeah. he's being led to his cell, he meets a woman on the way down who um, who speaks his language and tells him that there are those on the island who would would you know would like to save him so it gives yeah. him this little this little glimmer of hope yeah until uh, he gets to his room yeah his room's awesome after descending many stairs they came to a ponderous door of bronze and the door was unlocked by one of the guards and fulbra was compelled to enter and the door clanged dolorously behind him The chamber into which he had been thrust was walled on three sides with the dark stone of the island, and was walled on the fourth with heavy, unbreakable glass. Beyond the glass, he saw the blue-green, glimmering waters of the undersea, lit by the hanging cressets of the chamber. And in the waters were great devilfish whose tentacles writhed along the wall, and huge pythonomorphs with fabulous golden coils receding in the gloom and the floating corpses of men that stared in upon him with eyeballs from which the lids had been excised. So I kind of love it. Yeah, I love it too. Wouldn't want to build a summer home there. Nope. Pythonomorph. What's a pythonomorph? Who knows? I don't know, but I want to fight one or ride one. I don't know. (laughs) I'm not even sure. Fabulous golden coils. That sounds amazing. That's great. I love how everything on this island has to do with torture. Everything (laughs) is some kind of torture. (laughs) Like your room, your room is torture. Your room is torture. You got to look at dead people and monsters. So he's a... So he's in this room and he settles down to sleep and he, the, the thing that he keeps thinking about is this glimmer of hope, this, this woman who promised to help him. Yeah, he's, he's able at least to shut his eyes while the sea monsters and the dead men watch him. <laughs> striving to forget his griefs and the dolorous doom that impended. Uh, so then the next day, he's brought to the main torture hall. Um... 
which is quite a scene. I mean, these people, they love what they do. You know, they're like pretty excited about it. These guards come in, they force him to eat and drink a bit, and then... Yeah, they're not they're not particularly interested in him dying. Like, they don't want him to, uh... Like, you can't torture a, bo- a dead body, I guess, so it's all about keeping him nourished and alive and, you know, ready to experience anything that they've uh, put together for him. I like that they seem to be equal opportunity in the, in the torture. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Both sexes are busying themselves with ominous preparations. And there's this tall brazen statue with a cruel and demonian vis- visage, some implacable god of the underworld. I was interested, do you guys have any bets on who that might be? Because it doesn't sound Sathagwa-like. No, not at all. It doesn't all. sound Mordigian-like either. No. It's tall and implacable. That's mm-hmm. not Mordigian. So do you guys have any no. thoughts? I don't know. It sounds more like those statues that, uh, what's his face, Mal Dweb had in his, in his maze. Maybe they bought them from the same catalog. Yeah, I mean, it, it does talk, so it's clearly a magical statue. Yeah, it's super weird, too, because it wasn't there when he first was brought in. But now that he's here, and it's kind of, it, it speaks in Fulbra's language, mm-hmm. and it just announces what tortures he's going to go through that day. With strident and metallic tones, which is so fantastic. weird. It's like the the drive through window at McDonald's, just with torture. King Fulbra. <laughs> was that two orders of flaying on the side of the rack? Crazy. It's a crazy, crazy detail to just throw in the middle of this story, which yeah, is already love, crazy enough. I would love to hear reader bets on what demon or god or whatever it's of. I mean, it's called a demon. It's called a god. I really don't know what he's going yeah. for here. Well, maybe we'll pick something up as we keep exploring Zothuk. So then the girl turns up, and somehow they're not paying attention to her, which, come on, guys. Like, Don't telegraph I- it. Okay. <laughs> any more than it's already telegraphed. <laughs> Wait, so does he go through any... No, it announces his tortures. Mm-hmm. It announces... All... Which is also, like, it's another great, like, sort of element of the torture, right? Is right. That you also give the person to be tortured the suspense of knowing what's going to be done to him yep. before it happens. Mm-hmm. It's pretty... I mean, they've clearly thought it through, you know? They've got things covered. (laughs) So meanwhile, he's just like, aw, she's looking at me nice. Yeah, right. I'm so fortified now. And she whispers to him, right? Mm -hmm. Be courageous and endure bravely all that is inflicted. And that she'll help him get free tomorrow. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Do we know her name yet? Does he? he, Not yet, no. Not yet. Oh, maybe? Not yet. No. Nope. Yeah, we've only seen her, like, once before. They racked his ears with cacophonous sounds, with evil flutes that chilled the blood and curdled it upon his heart, with deep drums that seemed to ache in all his tissues, and thin tabors that wrenched his very bones. Then they compelled him to breathe the mounting fumes of braziers, wherein the dried gall of dragons and the adipocere of dead cannibals were burned together with a fetid wood. Then, when the fire had died down, they freshened it with the oil of vampire bats, and Fulbra swooned, unable to bear the feeter any longer. Later, they stripped away his kingly vestments and fastened about his body a silken girdle that had been freshly dipped in an acid corrosive only to human flesh, and the acid ate slowly 
fretting his skin with infinite pangs. Then, after removing the girdle lest it slay him, the torturers brought in certain creatures that had the shape of elong serpents, but were covered from head to tail with sable hairs like those of a caterpillar. And these creatures twined themselves tightly about the arms and legs of Fulbreath, and though he fought wildly in his revulsion, he could not loosen them with his hands, and the hairs that covered their constringent coils began to pierce his limbs like a million tiny needles, till he screamed with the agony. That's crazy. This is a sex thing. This is totally a sex thing. <laughs> um yeah, I mean, for sure. In that it in that it is like a fairly sensuous description of torture. Like, of torture, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, involving it's like all the senses. Or something. Right. Yeah, the whole the whole um the whole smell thing was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, first they play really bad music. Then they make him smell bad things, and then they burn his flesh. I love though that they use like not just not just cacophony, but deep drums and yeah. then tabers. Yeah, and then and then it, this is just like rope burn. This seems like rope burn. Meanwhile, with the light acid burn. Yeah, mm -hmm. but rope burn, and then having bugs crawl all over you. <laughs> yeah, that, that is a bit grosser. At the very end of that passage, I didn't put it in the reading. They. The only way to call those bugs off is with a certain like musical thing as well. Like they use a special mm -hmm. flute song or something to call those bugs off. It's awesome. Also, yeah. there's a lot. They they they're like uh, they're very into using dragon parts. The next the next torture involves dragon parts too. This one had a dried gall of dragon. It's just great. <laughs> It's I guess that's stuff. what the adventurers don't need, you know? You've got your, yeah. your adventurers buying dragon scales or whatever, and nobody ever buys dragon gall. They that use goes to the every part of the dragon in their torture <laughs> schemes. Uh, I love these I love these Ukastragians. They're like, you know... They're you know, having fun with it. They're having a blast. <laughs> like, they've spent so much time working on these things, and they... I don't know. I just imagine them having a great time. If you forget that it's torture they're working on, they're pretty... Right. They're pretty... Uh, Commendable in their this is their art. Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like an art piece. I I put in my notes that I would include among the many genres that Clark Ashton Smith helped to create would be splatterpunk with yeah. a, with a story like this because it delights. As Ruth said, like it's so, it makes the gore so sexual in some sense, and it just sort of yeah. delights in the description of all manner of ghastliness, which is uh, I don't know. I think pretty awesome. <laughs> I think that so I only just recently watched um. Oh dear, Pinheads. Hellraiser. Hellraiser, yeah. I only just recently watched Hellraiser for the first time because I've always realized it would squick me out too badly. And spoiler, it squicked me out super badly. Um, can't do that kind of thing. But it struck me like reading this that he would really have enjoyed seeing that movie. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I like my Clive Barker red. I can't watch it, it turns out. Um, the second Hellraiser has this, what I think is the single most grotesque prop piece in the history of film. I don't know, Tim, have you seen it? Hellraiser 2? Uh, I have. It, it was a long time ago, though. There's like a... They, it's not they, a spoiler, though. They drag the... Um, I think it's supposed to be the mattress from the first movie. Anyway, there's this just disgusting mattress that they have <laughs> yeah. that, like, uh, a human... Like, a flayed human body pulls itself out of at some point. But oh. it's basically just that Ugh. mattress. is so... Yeah. It's so grotesque. I love it. <laughs> I adore it. 
That's awesome. Yeah, see, I, I, I like a lot of the component elements, but I just, it turns out I just can't watch them. I have to read them or something. Like, flaying. Much better not on the screen. So, so he yeah. comes back and now everything's all red, which is kind of cool. Oh, yeah, in his in his room with the glass wall. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Well, I like that they've that they they they've even introduced mood lighting, and so now <laughs> like he sees everything as blood. The sea mm-hmm. looks like blood. You know, he sees red on the walls. It's like they they're so into the aesthetic details. I just I just, I, I adore it. So that night, the girl shows up. I think that's probably when we learn her name, which is Ilva. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and she's like, hey, my plan got fumbled up. You're just going to have to make it one more day. Um, which, again, you know, gives him this little, gives him enough hope to go on and continue <laughs> continue uh, with some kind of mental facility intact, I suppose. And she brings um she brings something to soothe his wounds. Oh yeah, that's which right. yeah. really sells her bit, and also you know, is a it's just such a great way of preparing him for the next day. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, no, I'm actually one of your people, like mm-hmm. my mother. My mother married one of these people, and I'm totally like, I'm <laughs> I'm the last of your people. Right. Yeah, and she even tells him, "We'll get you out." And I have there's a there's a a cove that we can go when there's a boat and supplies that we can get you out of here on. It's, I mean, it's mildly believable. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, if you so, want, and he wants so hard to believe people are good. Like, yeah. He, he really believed does. the king would he be does. nice to him. He's in a bad spot. <laughs> He's feeling bad about the world. Um, so I didn't, I didn't put the, the, the next day there's more torturing. I didn't put those into the readings because they're good, but I feel like the, the two, the first day and the last day are the um, better torches. But they do this thing in the second day where they, they strap corpses on either side of him and make the maggots crawl across his body. Well, yeah, yeah, that's great. <laughs> they, oh, put a, they put the corpse of a woman on one side and then the corpse of a dead um, goat on the other side. So the maggots crawl from the woman over him and onto the goat. And they've got his own, um, his own, his own slaves who've been in the water. Oh yeah, well they have a wizard. They make him look at a mirror, a magic yeah. mirror, and it makes his face look dead. And then as he's looking at the mirror, he sees all these dead people behind him, and he thinks it's just the magic of the mirror. But then he turns around, and they've animated his the dead slaves that they've drowned, and then they attack him. Like, it's so freaking artistic. Yeah, just, it's great. It's fantastic. Like, okay, you're using sorcery, you're using sorcery, you're using sorcery. Yep. Oh, yeah, that sorcery wasn't actually an illusion. That was just straight up sorcery. <laughs> yeah. That's such a great, like, jump scare. But I think probably the maggots were the best, but the the, the, the yeah. reanimated mm-hmm. corpses, excellent touch. So, yeah, so then the slaves beat him up. The slaves <laughs> beat him up. Oh, and then they strip him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They strip him and they bind him to the floor. This is like the end, right? Oh no! This uh, is this is the bit when they put him down. With oh the right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah. Okay, That's but his great. own slaves do that to him, which yeah. is pretty freaky. Well, they do some of the stuff. They beat him up, and then the torturers actually strip him. Yeah. I guess reanimated corpses don't have quite the dexterity. Maybe they just get a kick out of stripping a beaten man. I do like that the hungry maggots that crawl across and crawled in a long and undulant way. Oh, so man. Great. I couldn't, I, again, I could not watch this. I, I just yeah, couldn't. Right. Uh-huh. I can even imagine it a bit, but I, can't, I couldn't watch it. 
Um, and then there's lots more torture. Yep. That he doesn't go into. No. Mm-mm. And that they... night, the Cressets are even a bloodier crimson, and there's new corpses in the sea, and strange double-bodied uh, serpents of the nether deep with an endless squirming, which I love. And they have I, horns. I, I just, I need these monsters. But the actual monsters are the people. Dun, dun, <laughs> That's dun. the twist. And that night, Ilva doesn't show up. She she nope. offers no more no more hope for our for young Fulbra. Nope. He's got despair, but he, but he, he still believes. To doubt him. Yeah, he still yep. believes. He just thinks that she's been delayed again. At dawn of the third day, he was again taken before Ildrak. The brazen image announcing the ordeals of the day told him that he was to be bound on a wheel of adamant, and lying on the wheel was to drink a drugged wine that would steal away his royal memories forever and would conduct his naked soul on a long pilgrimage through monstrous and infamous hells before bringing it back to the hall of Ildrak and the broken body on the wheel. Then certain women of the torturers, laughing obscenely, came forward and bound King Fulbra to the adamantine wheel with thongs of dragon gut. And after they had done this, the girl Ilva, smiling with the shameless exultation of open cruelty, appeared before Fulbra and stood close beside him, holding a golden cup that contained the drugged wine. She mocked him for his folly and credulity in trusting her promises, and the other women and the male torturers, even to Ildrek on his brazen seat, laughed loudly and evilly at Fulbra and praised Ilva'a for the perfidy she had practiced upon him. Oh, snap. Yep. <laughs> Anyone who didn't see this one coming, like... So, here's what I'll say about that. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty obvious twist. Yeah. However, that last torture they have planned for him is awesome. Yeah. Yeah, is. that's a trip and a half. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> no, no, I did not see that one coming. No, they're gonna drag his brain out. That's so good. Yeah, they're going to send him on a completely terrible trip and and he's not going to remember who he is. What do you do? What do you do in this situation when you're Fulbra? Oh, you take out everybody else with you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, most of us, if we're bound to an adamantine wheel with dragon thongs, don't have that kind of power. But it turns out Fulbra does. Uh, It's true. He, um... And he to do it, he like uses this like a nice simple reverse psychology trick on the yeah. king. I love the torturers are so into torture that they can't even see like a child's ruse. Yeah, so, yeah. Like, it's Fulver- not very. <laughs> it's not very complex. Fulver's basically just like, "Oh my god, whatever you do, please don't take my ring away from me." And they're like, "We'll, we'll take, take your ring." ring. <laughs> Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, and even the king himself comes off his throne and mm-hmm. goes over to Fulbra and pulls the ring off and then laughing at, like, mockingly oh. puts it on his own finger. Which is like, great, too. I love that part. Ah, oh, that's such a good part. Ah, oh. yeah. uh-huh. because of everything that it means for later. But then what happens? Well, he dies shiny and chrome. Yeah. Yeah, Fulbra, Fulbra is carrying the silver death and it spreads off of him and unto all of the torturers and the king ildrak watches all of his people turn well, that's silver the, that's in the last reading Ken. oh 
But I did pull the description of Fulbert's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, his limbs stiffened with another another rigor than that of agony, and his face shone brightly with the coming of the death, and so he died. Yeah, uh, I and love noted, that. Noted that this setting is so in love with death that I can't even, <laughs> I I can't yeah. even handle it. Yeah, I love his limbs stiffened with another rigor than that of <laughs> agony. So good. Oh, and okay, man. Clark Ashton Smith. I see that. Yeah. Good job. To Ilva and to many of the torturers who stood wondering about the wheel, the chill and instant contagion of the Silver Death was communicated. They fell even where they had stood, and the pestilence remained like a glittering light on the faces and the hands of the men, and shone forth from the nude bodies of the women. And the plague passed along the immense hall, and the other captives of King Ildrak were released thereby from their various torments and the torturers found surcease from the dire longing that they could assuage only through the pain of their fellow men. And through all the palace and throughout the Isle of Uckestrog, the death flew swiftly, visible in those upon whom it had breathed, but otherwise unseen and impalpable. But Ildrak, wearing the ring of Vemdes, was immune, and guessing not the reason for his immunity, he beheld with consternation the doom that had overtaken his followers and watched in stupefaction the freeing of his victims. Then, fearful of some inimic sorcery, he rushed from the hall, and standing in the early sun on a palace terrace above the sea, he tore the ring of Vemdes from his finger and hurled it to the foamy billows far below, deeming in his terror that the ring was perhaps the source or agent of the unknown hostile magic. So Ildrak, in his turn, when all the others had fallen, was smitten by the silver death, and its peace descended upon him where he lay in his robes of blood-brightened purple, with features shining palely to the unclouded sun. And oblivion claimed the Isle of Uckestrog, and the torturers were one with the tortured. Uh, yeah. It's such a good ending. It's such I a love good that ending. he puts it on so that he's protected just yeah. long enough to see everybody die. Yeah. It's great. And, but he then he's scared of it. So you know, he doesn't like he doesn't have this moment of, "Hey, he was wearing it and he wasn't sick." And all of this stuff. So he he's not he's not properly grokked to the power of the ring. And of yeah. course, now the ring has gone gone into the sea. So that ring's never do anybody any good. I wonder how far the silver death will spread does it just is it now just contained to ukastrog does it end when all the people are dead well it is an island yeah um i do wonder about its further contagion so it's spread by a star right and the star seems to be moving or rather it seems to be able to to do it to other planets and stuff so yeah more like a comet or something yeah Although, knowing what we know about comets, obviously it wouldn't leave the solar system, but probably wouldn't leave the solar system. Most likely wouldn't leave the solar system, maybe. But we don't Um, know what Smith knew about comets. Right. He thought star beasts live in them. (laughs) But then, that does leave the question, so what happens if people come to the Isle of the Tortures? um, If they're doing some sort of Empire of the Necromancers quest. Yeah. They totally could do that. Um... And maybe it would be okay because everybody would have been dead and the cause would be gone. 
His story doesn't feel too much like a Zothic story. No, it feels very, um, very Poseidonist. Yeah, me. yeah, it does. Right. Or, You've got uh, your sorcery type thing. You've got your your waves lapping at the shore. Even what was the one with the Ice Age? Hyperborea. Hyperborea. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit Hyperborean. Is this the happiest ending in any Kardashian Smith story, or tied for the happiest hmm. ending? Like, like the good guy wins, right? That doesn't yeah. happen. Very, yeah. Doesn't happen very often. No. Um, he wins no. in like a like an orgiastic orgiastic celebration of death, which <laughs> yeah. is you know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. A, yeah, I'm giving it to you for that. He takes Not all. The, he doesn't just take out the main bad guy. He takes out all <laughs> of them. <laughs> and in like an amazing and excellent and beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah, I'll give this to you for happy endings. Although I like the ending of the Charnel God. That's a pretty fantastic one. We'll yeah. get there. I look forward to it so much. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories. I love the priest of Mordigian and the evil sorcerer. and the Anyway, guys, stay tuned for the Charnel God. It's going to be fantastic. I don't know when we're getting to it. If we ever get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll it'll get to be, it. It'll just be months from now. Somebody can stop scouting movie locations. <laughs> Uh, hey. I love you and I support your career, Phil. <laughs> Somebody's You're fantastic. Too, somebody else is too timing us with another podcast. It's true. <laughs> I'm just too timing you guys with like work and stuff. I know. We're it's you guys and your yeah. Listen to the double shadow. We're all too timing. <laughs> Listen to the double shadow. We do try. I feel like I wasn't. I when we talked about um, Empire of the Necromancers. Yeah, I got the mm-hmm. impression that you guys weren't that into this story, but I feel like we're all into this story this time. So maybe I just got the wrong impression when we. Yeah, maybe I. Had... I really like this story. Yeah. Well, I, I like fun. I like this story. Um, but as you say, it doesn't feel like a Zothique story as much. Yeah, and I think that's it. Like, in terms of Zothique, uh, for me, that's necromancers, that's charnel god, that's yeah. last hieroglyph to a to a degree. Last hieroglyph actually feels a bit hyperborean as well. So this one. It's like, I like it, but it doesn't quite mesh with the setting in my mind. Yeah. I have to rethink not, the setting. It's not as high grim as the rest of the of Zothique. It's pretty grim, Tim. <laughs> yeah, but I, it's very colorful. Right. Yeah, it's color the other The other Zothique stories are kind of monochromatic. Although, all, yeah. well, yeah, yeah. I do think of it as, monoch- as a very monochromatic place. I think of it as very brown. Yeah, right sepias um, and blacks and whites mm-hmm. whereas this one you've got your king in his purple robes stained oh, with everything. red blood so, you've got your golden octopods or whatever the heck they are with their tentacles you've got your red light on your undersea thing you've got your blue ocean yeah amaranthine seas even the when the storm comes he he describes the sky as being like hammered copper everything has a color in this one I, it's great writing. This this yeah. story is really, really evocative. That's it. We just like it. High fives all around. I guess yeah. it's just high fives for the <laughs> the crazy. madness of the story. I like I like that it's so that it's like it feels like a parable or something to me. Like it has a lesson. Yeah. And like it has a, I don't know. A lot of the stories don't have quite such a simple story. Even the, even that the even that the both the ring and the betrayal of the woman are like. Set up and pay off. Uh-huh. Like it has a, yeah, mm-hmm. that's which true. Is a, you don't get that much. You don't get that much of that in Kardashian and Smith. So it's sort of, I don't know. It has a kind of classical feel to me, but then it has the total ridiculous, over the top gore in the middle, which <laughs> yeah. gives it a whole other like, you know, it's like a, a fairy tale 
for an insane person, I guess, kind of, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I was actually thinking this morning about this story, maybe other Smith stories, where they don't really, they don't stick to one, maybe I don't know how to say this, but one point of view, right. like, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, there's not one philosophy at work here. Like, in Empire of the Necromancers, we got, we kind of saw the story through both. And it didn't really, I mean, did it really come down on one side or the other? Do we get a clear, like, this is this is who we should be rooting for and I, this is I not? I think we were rooting against the Necromancers. But only but... because they they wasted their power, right? Yeah, If that's, they had yeah, absolutely. fulfilled their destiny, I think we would have been on board. Yeah, if they had made that that army and marched back to the other place and kicked that city's ass, yeah, that would have been. Well, fun. I'll say this: like, if you had only read this story and that story, I think these they're they're very much they feel very similar to me in that they are in that like this like supremacy and quietude of death is yeah. the only. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like it's a plague, so it's not coded as a good thing. But the right. fact that he unleashes that plague is a good thing at the end of the story. Yeah. So, and and the fact that all of those zombies go and jump into like the eternal flame from which they can never come back mm-hmm. again is definitely mm-hmm. like a happy ending in ne- Empire of the Necromancers. So, <laughs> very like, true. Yeah, Zothik just seems to be again so in love with death. Yeah, it can't even. It can't even. It's just like, oh, <laughs> I can't wait for the grave and for everybody else to be there with me. But we yeah. won't know it because the walls will be nothing. You know? Death um, is the only way out of Zothique. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And you're uh, lucky if you yeah. get there quick, I guess, is the other lesson. <laughs> yeah, you're jumping into an eternal flame so that you don't get reanimated and reused or these people yeah. dying like almost immediately. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'd also just read an article about Michael Moorcock. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It in? Michael it was in... of the unfortunate last name. <laughs> right. Uh, I forget what it was in. Uh, I could look it up. But he was basically saying how he, like the science fiction fantasy writers that came before were very expository. And then his, him and and his peers were trying to do something more like creating paintings with their words, like creating images and scenes instead of creating, I guess he called it like fascist story, fascist militarism. (laughs) Yeah, he did. Uh, And that's just, I feel like that is a total, they're like children of Clark Ashton Smith because his stuff is just, they're like paintings. He's giving us little mm-hmm. paintings in our brains just for us. <laughs> and I know that Moorcock and such inspired a number of modern writers. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I've seen a lot of people attribute stuff. I actually haven't read anything by him, and he's just always been on my list of find him somewhere. Yeah. I mean, maybe the used bookstore would probably be the best goal. You should. Yeah. He's totally worth it. It's If you like Smith, you'll like Moorcock. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Come I'm on. just imagining Smith. Using that as a tagline yeah, or something. Right. Uh, it was in the New Statesman. It's the the title of the article is Michael Moorcock. Quote: I think Tolkien was a crypto fascist. End quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of fair, but yeah, there, there's definitely some stuff to go at in in Tolkien. Yeah, and there's a reason I read more Smith than Tolkien. Right. Despite the fact that I was definitely oh my god, guys, um, did you listen to Blind Guardian like when you were young? No. Nope. No. 
Really? I don't know what that is. I don't oh even know God. what it is. It's, it's a German metal band. They were active in the 80s and into the 90s and into the aughts. They, uh, they did a lot of stuff based on mythology, on stories, lots of story references. It's like it's like if um, Iron Maiden were a little less Norse and a little more Tolkien. Wow. Mm. They did a whole album based on the Silmarillion. Yeah. So, which is how I found them because my parents would actually let me listen to that as compared to like all other devil metal. But that right. was based on Tolkien metal. So yeah. obviously it was really okay. Yeah. Right. Which is fantastic. So they have a new album out. And they're touring this year, and I was really surprised. And then I listened wow. to the album, and I was like, oh, my God, this is actually really good stuff. Um, Blind Guardian. Blind Guardian, yep. So you can you can listen to their most recent album, although I don't know if you weren't in love with them as a teenager. But it, it's still good metal. It's still good metal. But anyway, um, yeah, just speaking of Tolkien being a crypto-fascist or yeah. not or something... Actually, that's why I like Tolkien, the Silmarillion better. Is you've got all these weird, weird stories, right. and mm-hmm. like with Smith, they don't um, they don't always conclude, not even satisfactorily, but like narratively satisfactorily. There's mm-hmm. just loose ends out there, which is fine. Yeah, love um, a loose end. I would, yeah, I'd rather have a loose end than a too neat fit. Although this one, this one again, it, yeah, everything it promises, it pays off. Love a well told loose end. Yeah. What's the next story? Uh, well, there's a king, uh-huh. and he gets on oh, a boat. Here, yeah. The Voyage of King Uvaron. <laughs> yes, or Audubon, as I've been calling him. Yeah, he um, <laughs> he has to, there's various things. A, a malapert who turns out to be a necromancer is brought before him, and then he ends up going on this total voyage, and it's awfully sweet, and he ends up on an Isle of Torturers, and it turns out he's carrying a pl- no wait nope. <laughs> wait no <laughs> no no that's uh, not actually that's not actually how it goes uh, it's so really there... ridiculous and amazing and should be pretty fun okay the end all right stopping. <laughs>